Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team filling in for Mon. This is Lyle and... Lawson. Welcome to the show, Lawson. Oh, mate. Stoked to be here. You're going to be pretty cut when Mon gets back? Yeah. No, not really. Like, I enjoy radio, but hey, it's... You know, it's her job. You, you'll get to sleep in. Yeah, I'll get to sleep in. I'll, yeah, I won't be so tired all the time. You could always, you, you could still come in and be part of the show. You know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I might slip in and do, do a little bit of hosting here and there. Why not? Anyway, what have we got coming up in today's show? We have some cremation stories. We do. Yeah, we have some. Um, is it is it right for you and your religion to cremate? And is it okay for you in your religion to donate body organs? We find out that one is more acceptable than the other when we look at worldwide religions. Well, yeah, we're going to find out. if you ever wondered about a cremation and whether your religion uh, approves of it or not, then the answer is coming up if you have wondered about organ donation and whether or not your religion uh, approves of it. We've got that coming up as well. But of course, we know this because Because we're talking from the past this is the, the delayed future. broadcast you're listening to the delayed broadcast guys so you need to get with the show and jump on over to the live show and you were just saying a minute ago that one of your friends was tried to tune in and said that the signal was all scratchy and weak there is a solution to this you are doing it wrong this is old technology use the new technology get on yep. with the time get up with the times jump ac- across to our digital outlets being you can jump on the tune in app you don't have to buy it you can get it for free you just click the yep. x when you download it um, just search up Faith FM and bam you've got it or you can jump across to the website which is faithfm.com.au you can click a little play button and bam yeah you listen, got us listen to us with a perfect signal run it through your car stereo your bus stereo your truck stereo your tractor stereo whatever stereo you have through your bluetooth your tape insert your aux cord whatever you've got perfect signal amazing I listen to Faith FM all over Australia and Mon is listening to us right now in Germany and sending a message through to say good day and say that she's looking forward to being back and joining you all again that she misses you guys and she loves you all amazing okay awesome and uh, also coming up on today's show, what else have we got? We're going to be doing an interview with uh, regular David Stojic and we're going to be following Paul in his discussions with Festus and Agrippa and it's going to be just a gripping story about <laughs> ah, Agrippa. But it's amazing. Yep, this is the time for pun of the day. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we'll see you. As we move yeah, stay, on with the stay, show, stay, 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 stay tuned. tuned. Really great programming coming up right now. There's a mountain here before me, and I'm on a climate with strength not my own. And he's gonna meet me where the mountain beats me. And carry me through, and carry me through, yeah. And there's a river here before me, and I'm on a cross with strength on my own. He's gonna save me when the river takes me. Carry me through, carry me through, but Lord be gentle 
with Carry Me Through. You know, our producers are just serving up the bangers today. It's amazing. But uh, welcome back. Great great way to start the day. Yeah. Awesome. Welcome back to Faith FM. And guess what, Lyle? What? We have a quiz. Oh, we do? Yes, we have a quiz. We always have a quiz. And this this is a good quiz today. Okay. uh, I'm actually, I'm I'm stoked for this quiz. Okay. Uh, So who am I quiz? Is this this a hard one or an easy one? I I think it's an easy one. Okay. But it's just interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a who am I quiz. And the first clue is... Jesus says, I live in Pergamum. Yes. Uh, Pergamon, Pergamon, Pergamon. Who lives in Pergamon? Um, yes. Ooh. Nah. Sorry. Ah, oh, that's Smyrna. Not quite. Not quite. I did, uh, I was not tipping my tongue. I know these verses off by heart. Why isn't it coming to me? All right. I'm just going to move on with the... I'm going to move on with the... Uh, um, why did I put the, <coughs> um, yeah, anyway. He's seriously stumped here, but if you know the answer, you can call us up on 1-800-324-843 or 0491-064-669. And I would say you could claim double prizes, but, uh, Lyle just wrote down the correct answer. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry. Um, but it's only one <laughs> prize for you today. If you can get this quiz, it's this, this is what happens when you try and answer quizzes under pressure. It's just like, I know this one because I know these verses. I know Revelation 1, 2, and 3, just like off the, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, okay. there was like, <laughs> there's two different kind of answers there, but it's all good. It's all good. They're both related to each other. Yeah. 
more or less. But we have some good news today. Okay. We have some good news. This is actually our first story. It's kind of cute, but it's also interesting because it's involved uh, with Oh, oh before, we, before we do, before we do. Whoa, whoa, what's, up? what's up? Message, what's up? What's up? What's up? Text, me- text message just came through from Mon. What? She wants to say, please tell the listeners good day and that I'm taking the day off from wedding preparations tomorrow to sneak across the border into Poland. Ooh. So, of course, Marta comes from Poland. So Awesome. Um, yeah, she's probably sitting out there in the studio feeling super jealous right now, but uh, she just had a couple of months over there, so yeah, she'll have to survive. Yeah. So, yep. travel's the best, isn't it? It is. Just- it is just amazing. Anyways, continuing on, we have some good archaeology news. And this is this is some good archaeology news about a particular good boy who did some really good archaeology. Um, check hey, this talking th- about archaeology news, did you hear that they think they have found the HMS Endeavour? No. That was on the news this morning. What's the HMS Endeavour? Um, <laughs> this is Lawson. On Awkward. air. <laughs> <laughs> the ship that Captain Cook sailed. Ah, that one. that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know <laughs> Captain Cook. I've heard of that guy before. Man, mo- uh, modern history isn't my strong suit. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's somewhat yeah, modern, yeah, right? Somewhat. 1700s. Yeah, you could you could count that as kind of the modern. Kind era. of modern. I mean, crossover. I, we'll call it crossover. Dude, I, medieval and modern. I'm struggling, dude. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. <laughs> Check this out. You and me both this morning. Check this out. While How could I get a <laughs> question wrong on the seven churches? <laughs> While on a walk outside a small Czech village, Monty the dog and his owner found nearly two dozen 3,000-year-old artifacts. Oh, wow. This is so cool. Um, How old? Sorry? How old? 3,000 years old. This is These serious, are, like Neolithic era. Yeah. This is this is amazing. <laughs> Maybe not Neolithic. Check this out. There's this uh, little description here. It says, Some archaeologists carry tools and painstakingly chip away at historical sites. Others might have fluffy bodies, keen senses of smell, and an affinity for digging up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so the little itty bitty trowels and toothbrushes that archaeologists often use, replaced by an excitable dog with two paws. Check this out: a very good dog named Monty recently unearthed a rare trove of Bronze Age artifacts near the Czech village of Kosteleke Horke. Uh, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that's the uh, that's the pronunciation. Anyway, Monty was walking with his owner, um, identified as Mister Francota. In, in a field when he began pouring phonetic, uh, f- frantically at the ground. Soon, thanks to Monty's hard work, metallic objects began to emerge from the soil. Why would he smell metallic objects and start digging them up? You'd think he would be digging no up idea. a dead body. You know, that's what my dog would do. My dog, was, <laughs> my dog started digging in the ground like, yeah, there's something really dead being buried right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, stay away. <laughs> Man, this is just a really good boy. He just a re- he's a really good boy. But yep. yeah, continuing on, the, the cache of relics includes 13 sickles, two spear points, three axes, and several bracelets. The objects have been dated to the Urnfield period around 3,000 years ago. This late European Bronze Age culture is marked by the transition from inhumation burials um, to cremations, the remains of the dead. Being it's interesting. Being I'm going to be talking about cremation in just a moment. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, that, that fits in well together, but yeah. Yeah, this is um, this is just amazing. Like, I love it when like dogs do stuff that like humans really want to do. Like, because yeah. <laughs> that'd be kind of cool things to hang on your mantelpiece too. Oh, yeah. For I mean, sure. what a conversation starter! Like, yeah, these are three thousand year old sickles right here. You don't exactly find that kind of stuff in Australia. No, 
We find stuff that's 3,000 years old, but not sickles and knives yeah. and metallic, metallic obj- objects. objects. Yeah. You know, because I guess, what, so what is it? As we were talking about Captain Cook before, you know, we've only had that kind of technology in Australia for like the last 300 years. years. 200 years. Yeah. Before that, it was uh, stones and paintings. Maybe 250 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and of course, we have, um, you know, lots of middens and all that kind of thing that uh, are pretty cool as well. You can trace Dude. back through and learn all kinds of fascinating information through those, but uh, we don't have, we, are, we can't go and find metallic objects. That's just mm. the best. I would love to dig up a spear point or a sickle or something like that from 3,000 years ago. Dude, hang it on the mantelpiece. That's there it. you That's go. It. Anyway, our next news, as I teased before, renewable energy, which I'm just all about lately. I'm, I'm just loving the renewable energy and electric powered things, but this one comes from Germany. Um, and our headline here is Germany launches world's first hydrogen powered train um cool dude this is hydrogen is the best the yeah the world's first ever hydrogen powered train has just been launched for commercial use in germany signaling yet another victory towards the shift in sustainability (laughs) this is this is awesome man i remember pull the train up to your garden hose fill it up with uh, with water Separate the hydrogen. Hydrogen goes one direction. Oxygen goes the other direction. Combine the two back together. You've got uh, you create heat. The water is just the most amazing thing, dude. It's you know hydrogen, awesome. which is explosive, and oxygen, which is the necessary ingredient for any explosion. Put the two together, and you put fire out. Amazing. Separate the two, and you create fuel, like really, really efficient fuel. Well, I remember a couple of years ago. Um, well, this was actually a while back now, in the around twenty ten. Honda made uh, a car called the, I think it was called the Honda Echo or Honda something like that. And it was a hydrogen powered electric engine. And it was touted as being the car of the century, uh, century because of, you know, its sustainability. Um, you know, in when it was launched, it was launched in California where they have hydrogen pumps at all the servos there. So you, you just fill the thing up with hydrogen. And then it just, you know, it powers an electric engine and the only emission it gives is, uh, you know, water. And unlike most electric cars that have to charge for, you know, 10 to 20 hours, this thing had like a running range of 250 miles and then you just pull up to a hydrogen pump and fill it up like a regular old car but with no emissions. And people were saying this thing was going to be like the next big thing and amazing but we've we've seen probably just due to you know, the monopoly that, that the oil companies have over that the car market that yeah. nothing's gone with it. And no. to see that, you know, in Germany, they're lodging fossil, this- fossil fuel companies have no interest in, uh, <laughs> um, in anything that is um, helping out with the, uh, with environment. the environment. <laughs> yeah. But it's good to see in Germany that they're, they're, getting on, they're getting on board, man. They're getting on the train, so to speak, uh, with this new hydrogen-powered train. But this is really cool. Um, the Cordana... Elint passenger train, which was developed by a rail transport company in Alstom in Germany, um, can travel 600 miles or 1,000 kilometers on a single tank of hydrogen using special fuels. The train generates enough uh, energy um, through the combination of hydrogen and oxygen to, in it, you know, that, that powers its lithium batteries and just gets it going. And it's man, this is so cool. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm just stoked because th- again, this is another step forward towards electric motors with lots of torque, so we can have heaps of fun. <laughs> Go far, <laughs> do burnouts and donuts all day long, right? Yeah, dude, we're probably the the least green greenies. Like that, that's how I consider myself. It's I want like, a hydrogen powered car because it has awesome power. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, you know they used to build airships out of hydrogen, and uh, you've all seen the um, the Hindenburg that blew up, right, and just sort of melted down. And, yeah. and this is what you want to put in your car now, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is Lawson. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put that explosions. In my <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we need to move on, and uh, when we come back, if your dog has ever dug, uh, dug up anything strange or weird, give us a call. But right now, we're going to listen to Anders Svensson. I met the savior.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia. That with what was Anders with, I Met the Saviour. What have we got for the next clue on our quiz? Who right, again. Is this person who lived in Pergamon? Yes. Who is this person? Again, this is a who am I quiz. And the next clue is, time and time again, I stopped Paul from going to Thessalonica. You know, the Bible doesn't actually say he lived in Pergamon. Yeah. The Bible says... He sat there. Ooh. There's a clue. Ooh. There you go. Mm. There you go. So if you have the answer, you think you have the now, answer. Now, he, he definitely lived there. Yeah. Just the Bible doesn't say that. It says that he sat there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Okay. So if you've got an answer, call us up on 1-800-324-843 or give us a text on 0491064669. And you can snap up a prize. It won't be double prizes because obviously... Lyle's already got the quiz. He already knows what's up. But, um, yeah, you can still get a free prize from us, or whatever that may be. It might be, might be a book. Might you be a never DVD. know what it might be. It's going to be something special, though. Uh, but anyway, today I thought we might talk about cremation. What's your opinion of cremation, Lawson? I think that if you're really scared of waking up in a grave, then it's probably a good thing. <laughs> That's a valid point right there Do, do you want to hear a funny story? I was, I was actually in a cemetery this, yesterday this, this, Okay, this, this sounds like it might not be a funny story but. Oh, it, it wasn't a funny story I was in a cemetery yesterday um, Just, you know, sometimes uh, me and my, my outreach team For my, my Bible working um, You know, if we have some spare time Like say we have like 20 minutes or whatever There's a, there's a cemetery on the main street of Burrisfield where we go um, We just go to there to pray Because it's a really, really pretty spot But we had this talk and this conversation about do you want to be cremated or do you want to be buried and what do you want to happen when when uh when jesus returns do you want to like you know be a million pieces and then come together or do you want to fly out of a grave or do you, you know all these different things so <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm like i'm kind of on the fence because i'm like on one hand i'm like man i'd really like to really experience the recreating power of jesus at the second coming that i like fly together you know from all different spots as like a like imagine being cremated and then having your ashes spread and then you fly together from all different spots and become a person or if you're in like a coffin you like fly out of the ground like you just wake up and you're in a coffin and then next thing you know you're like punching through six feet of dirt and then you see i think you have an over (laughs) imagination (laughs) (laughs) so these are these are the places where my mind all that god needs all that god needs to recreate you is a copy of your dna yeah sure just needs a record of your DNA. He doesn't need any particles. He just needs a record of your DNA and bang, you're there again. You know. But it would be really cool if that happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of really cool. <laughs> if, if if that was the way it happened, I think I would um, I would ask my ashes to be spread right around the equator. Dude, yes, that would be the best. <laughs> or like in different parts of Australia. Like you, you put some in like Townsville and, and some in like Perth and then some in Melbourne and some in like the top of the western area. What's the city up there? Tasmania. Oh, yeah. Ta- maybe Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> and you can fly together. <laughs> well, um, just, just, just I thought we'd talk about this uh, along with um, organ donation because mm. these are both um, – particularly organ donation is something that's close to my heart because – this is something where even in death you can be a tremendous blessing to somebody else. And I've known a lot of people yeah. who have received donated organs and it's just given them so much more life and brought so much joy to so many people. And so I thought I'd do some research to find out, you know, where do, where, where do we stand with this as far as religions go? Now, mm. organ donation is actually more widely accepted 
than cremation, which I thought was interesting. So the all major religions except organ donation. So all of your big religions mm-hmm. um, except organ donation. Now, this is surprising because I often get asked about organ donation and cremation. These two questions often come in to me, even by Christians. Mm-hmm. Who are worried about this? Like, oh, should we donate organs? Should we should we get cremated? You know, if I donate my eyes to somebody, will I be resurrected without eyes? <laughs> <laughs> we sort of kind of limit the power of God a little bit there. I think mm-hmm. there are two religions that don't allow organ donation, and that is the Romani religion and the Shinto religion. But outside of that, go for it. Yeah. Now there, of course, is different uh, burial practices. Some religions require the body be buried straight away, and so. Um, if you are one of those religions, then you simply need to work with your medical professionals to uh, determine the best way to be able to donate your organs or the organs of your um, relatives who have passed away in a timely manner so that you can fulfill your religious requirements as well as be a blessing to somebody and help, you know, goodness knows how many people you might be able to help out by donating those organs. Mm. And, uh, and and so I think that would be actually be a surprise to a lot of people like, you know, Hindus and Buddhists and and Muslims and um, you know Jews, all 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 those religions, uh, of, and of course Christians, are open for organ donation. Um, so yeah, go for it. Um, don't take don't take your organs and put them in the ground. Give them to somebody else. Yeah, for sure. When they they, they don't turn them into <clears throat> fertilizer. Cremation is a little bit different. So cremation is banned by a number of religions. Uh, so the Zoroastrian religion, which uh, you mostly find in places like uh, Iran, you know Persians. Mm. Um, you find that religion. The Eastern Orthodox Church yeah, wow. bans cremation. Um, <clears throat> super Orthodox Jews don't cremate and uh, Muslims don't cremate. And the Roman Catholic Church had a ban on cremation until 1963 when Pope Paul VI in the Vatican II Council uh, lifted, lifted the ban on cremation. So mm-hmm. that's fairly recent right there for the Roman Catholic Church. There, of course, there are other religions that actually require crem- cremation, like uh, Hinduism and Jainism, etc. Oh, and what was interesting is that during the medieval period, because um, I was looking back through some of the history on this, during the medieval period, cremation was banned sometimes under penalty of death. And the reason that it was banned was that it was seen as a prelude to hellfire. Yeah. So when somebody committed a capital crime, they could be beheaded, but if they committed heresy, which meant that they were going to hellfire, they would be burned at the stake. Yeah, I was going to mention that, actually. Some of the reformers, like John Wycliffe, for example. John Wycliffe, they dug up his bones and they burned his bones to make sure, to ensure that he went to hellfire. Yeah. That was that's so crazy. Thirty years after story. he died, yeah, yeah, because they were so angry about the effect that he had, you know, translating the the Bible into English. That they were like, "Oh, let's let's get this guy now." Thirty years later, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he, they spread his ashes in the sea, or they they, 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 ran, they dropped him in the creek beside where he was buried. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been to that creek. I've been to the very spot where that took place. And of course, his ashes ran down the creek, which ran into another river, which ran into another river, which ran into another river, which ran into the ocean. And his ashes got spread around the whole world. And the message of John Wycliffe and the Bible that he translated is now known right around the world. Praise God. Amazing. Yeah, great symbolism there. And hopefully when he gets <coughs> resurrected, he flies around from all different parts of the world and then becomes a person because that would be really cool. So I was, I was, looking, at, uh, I was looking at this in the, uh, in, in, in the history of, you know, um, Western civilization, mm-hmm. and 
it wasn't until 1769 that it was actually um, put forward as being an idea that might be appropriate for Christianity. Mm-hmm. In the 1870s, it was promoted as being a sanitary precaution, but of course, um, largely rejected until in England it was finally legalized in 1884. And guess what religion the guy was who legalized cremation in 1884 in England? Who? What was he? I said, guess. Guess what religion? Uh, I, I, I don't. This is too much pressure, man. He was a neo druid. A neo druid. What's a druid? Uh, a druid is somebody who follows Celtic religions. Ah, okay, yep. And a neo-druid is somebody who has a, a modern version of Celtic religion because yep. we don't actually know what was involved in Celtic religions. There's mm-hmm. there's not enough um, you know inscriptional evidence for us to understand how they worshipped, and so people have um, conjectured and come up with a new form of druidism. And so, yes, um, it was legalised in 1884 by this particular individual successfully arguing after he cremated his son that there was no law against it. Mm. Uh, that wasn't actually established in law until the Cremation Act in 1902. But in 1885, you know, some years after this, or well, the next year, a, uh, a crematorium was set up and they cremated three people that year, 10 people the next year, 28 people the next year. Um, so <laughs> these were not big things. In the United States in 1876, the first crematorium was set up. And between 1876 and 1901, this particular individual was able to cremate 42 people. Now, of course, these days it's the preferred method. Yeah. And uh, I would highly recommend it as, uh, you know, from coming from a Christian perspective. The Bible says that we are turned into dust when we die. Mm. And it doesn't matter how you get turned there, the slow way or the fast way, bowl of dust, bowl of ashes, all the same thing to God. There's no problem there. Don't forget to give us a call if uh, if you've got your some thoughts on this particular matter. We're going to listen to Chris Rice. He's going to bring us Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in thee Let the water and the blood From thy wounded side which flow Be of sin the double cure Save from wrath and make me
draw this fleeting breath When my eyes shall close in death Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. We have our welcome, uh, our, our regular, I should say, our regular welcome. <laughs> Get my words the right way around here, David, uh, to Pastor David Stojic, who is uh, on every week. Last week, you spoke to us about the important aspect of our life called social connectedness. That's right. And this week we're talking about some of the dangers of social connectedness. Right. Being connected to the wrong person might not be such a, uh, a a great idea. So good social life improves our quality of life. It boosts our immune system, decreases the likelihood of premature death from all causes we found by three to five times. And you shared with us some really interesting research about the benefits of social life. That's right. That's right, Lyle. I believe it's... Um as we build into the uh, build uh, for this presentation on on the negative side of social <laughs> potentially negative side i think it's important for us to to actually look at uh, or just maybe rehearse some things that we that we mentioned last time at the beginning of our last program we shared a couple of important things uh, that number one and we, we should never ever omit this that god created us to enjoy relationships and God longs to enjoy a relationship with us. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so right there at the beginning of the Bible in, in chapter 2, uh, God said it is not good that man should be alone in Genesis 2. I think this is one of the greatest evidences of creation. I know I mentioned it last week, That's but right. I'm just going to mention it again. You know, that uh, this whole concept of relationships and the fulfillment that we get from relationships is That's just right. so profound and so unnecessary to the process of evolution. Exactly, exactly. It really flies in the face of it. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many successful creatures out there that are completely right. solitary. That's right. That's right. Being a social being is is not about competition. It's about mm. cooperation. It's about other people first and so on and so on. And, and, and on that point, actually, one of the things that we're going to look at today as we look at some of the dangers of social connection is that social connection can actually, in the wrong context, can be... Detrimental. Detrimental. Absolutely. You know, and so evolution should have just, you know, just moved out everything that's detrimental. We could live... That's right. Entirely alone, like a great white shark, and, uh, right. and be entirely successful. But we are not that kind of a creature. Exactly. So, so, so from that point of view, it's good to look at both sides of the of the equation. And as you said, God is God designed and created us to be at our best, 
at our best when connected to him and mm. others. And so, so because we are relational beings, uh, we mentioned surprise surprise uh, <laughs> a man that you you usually you usually wouldn't associate with that topic but dr dean ornish um the doctor um that actually um he's an american physician and researcher and and it's interesting how he spoke about the importance of social connectedness um, uh, he's the author of, the, of dr dean ownership's program for reversing heart diseases and so so it's kind of interesting that he's known in that area uh eat more late uh, way less uh, the china study in the spectrum uh, but but um, apart from being a great advocate for the healthy uh, life, healthy diet, and so on and so on. He made this statement, which I really, really believe is well worthwhile repeating for our listeners today. We, we actually mm-hmm. quoted it last time. And this is what he says um, in, in, uh, in his book, Love and Survival, the Scientific Basis for the Healing Power of Intimacy. So he's talking, when he's talking about intimacy, he's talking about human relationships. And this is what he says um, uh, about social life. Uh, He says, I'm not aware of any other factor in medicine, not diet, not smoking, not exercise, not not stress, not genetics, not not drugs, not surgery that has a greater impact on our quality of life, incidence of illness and the premature death from all causes. So he's quoting and saying that our social life, our social connectedness, our social support is far more important than any of those things that he came up uh, uh, with in, in, in his research and his study. He says this is the, like, cherry on the cake. This is the, the most important thing. Mm, amazing, indeed. You know, our first experience of social life and social support, of course, comes from our family. That's right. You know, we are, we are born into a family. We're not born into some random place That's in the, right. uh, either in the bush island. or a deserted <laughs> island or in yeah. the middle of the ocean or somewhere like That's that. That's right. And uh, as we go through life, our social life is, you know, broadens. Obviously, we've got school, we've got uni, we've got workplace. Um, in our context, we have church, of course, That's which right. is fantastic. But That's right. not all our social encounters are positive and edifying. I think, you know, some people in the workforce or classroom might uh, relate to this one. That's right. Um, you know, we also encounter high conflict people. Um, you know, it could be within our family circle sometimes. That's right. Um, and the encounter with these people, no doubt, would affect our physical, mental, um, spiritual health, correct? That's right, definitely. Those who encounter high conflict, and that's kind of almost like a technical term, those who encounter high conflict people report feelings uh, of chaos, uh, dread, exhaustion, uh, and 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 a prolonged encounter with these kind of people, if not managed properly, may result in high levels of stress, mental health, and phys- and physical health uh, issues. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense because if um, if social connectedness is such a massive factor in physical right. good health, uh, then ben, ben, the opposite. Uh, that's exactly. If is, they're not functioning. Yeah, and, and, and you talk about high. Um, High conflict people being a technical term. I think it's a technical term that we all relate to. Very much so. All right. So, what what, what percentage of people are going to fit into the category of, of high conflict people? Okay. Uh, so, so uh, Lyle, around ten people Ooh. we meet. Uh, sorry, sorry. About ten percent of people we meet would fall into this category, uh, um, and they create. Guess what? 
90% of our problem. It's a bit like Pareto principle, you know, 20-80, but in this case, it's actually even worse. 10%, uh, you know, of people in our social network, social network can cause us 90% of uh, of issues and problems uh, so when we learn to work with high complex people it's relatively easy to work with anybody else okay so these are some skills that we're really needing needing to uh, to learn is how to deal with um, high conflict people but before we get there what are the characteristics of difficult people how can you describe those <laughs> i'm sure that that a lot of people when they hear uh, hear what i'm going to, to, to kind of uh, list here as, as as characteristics they'll just say well yeah, absolutely <laughs> Yeah, they're probably going to start making a list like yes, this person and then this person and this person. So, so high conflict people are rigid, mm-hmm. uh, or we, we could say inflexible, black and white. They're manipulative, they're confrontational, they're angry, they're vindictive. Uh, they tend to manipulate, uh, you know, a lie through lies and, and, and conning. They fly into rage. They play victim mentality. They, they can be hostile. They're good at blaming, you know, everybody else but not themselves. Uh, they have very, very uh, low level of self-awareness. Uh, you know, they don't reflect much on them, themselves. They're not compromising. Uh, they tend to punish people with whatever means they can, uh, and they can be defensive, but they can also be charming. Mm. <laughs> so, so some people would just say, you just described a very narcissistic kind of a pro- profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these people are um, uh, suffering from, I guess, a personality disorder. Um, so are you saying that all people who display these traits, would they all f- fall into the category of having a well, personality uh, again, disorder? Well, again, personality disorders uh, is, is more of a technical term from, from the field of psychology. But, but in a nutshell, not necessarily. Uh, not, not necessarily everybody who is you know, displaying those traits or some of those traits is necessarily suffering from personality disorder. But if these traits are evident most of the time, then most likely the case is that they actually have the personality. Uh, okay, that's so. a bit of a relief because I'm just looking through your list there. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I think most of us at different points get a bit angry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most of us have probably been vindictive on occasions. Um, we've all been defensive at times. You know, we we, we could um, we could probably list a few things off there. Okay, but, so but it's not most of the time. That's right. If it is most of the time, then more than likely we are talking about uh, personality disorder because people can go through circumstances like, you know, they could go through a, a stage of depression and anxiety where they're edgy, where, yeah. they are, where their emotions are not con- uh, under control and they can display some of these things. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're always in that category of personality disorder or high conflict people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could go to a temporary stage. Okay, we're going to come back right after this song and we're going to continue this discussion about high conflict people. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I
Back everybody, you're listening to Faith FM. We have been here with David Stojic talking about personality disorder. Well, talking about high conflict people right. and differentiating between people who have moments of high conflict, I guess, and those That's who right. actually have circumstantial, you yeah, know, kind of situations. Yeah. Uh, whereas those who have a personality disorder, where they live a life of, I, I, I guess, of being a high conflict person. Uh, now, and, and we've said that about ten percent. You know, that's about ten percent of people of a, in our network, yeah. <laughs> which is maybe one in ten people in our network could be people that are um, really those high conflict people creating 90% of our conflict but that's right most most likely suffering from personality disorder okay so really simple terms um, what is a personality disorder uh, so uh, really in, in a nutshell uh, personality disorder could be defined as, as a complicated pattern of behavior that manifests itself in the following ways, uh, which actually really resonates with what we just said uh, I know when we were going to characteristics. Number one is lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are in that category, they're in denial. They actually don't realize what they're doing in most cases. That makes it very, very hard right. to actually... To help them. Help them, yeah. That's right. Uh, then then uh, they, they really... Uh, don't like change. They, 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 they really display lack of desire for change. They're rigid, uh, as we said, black and white. Uh, they externalize responsibility. Uh, in a nutshell, that means blaming somebody else for whatever is going on. They don't internalize. They don't accept responsibility. It's always somebody else's problem. And very interesting, interestingly, they have a lack of empathy. They are not very empathetic people. Uh, they cannot imagine how it feels to walk in somebody's self's shoes. Mm, yeah. Okay, so we all meet difficult people, you know, high conflict people. What can we do uh, to help ourselves, themselves, 
Um, you know, obviously we don't want to get stressed out, get a stomach ulcer, deplete our immune system or end up with uh, heart disease as a result of the high conflict people in our life. Do we just banish these people from our life or what, 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 what do we do here, David? Well, look, um, obviously the scripture says, and I paraphrase, that the wise person sees evil, you know, and removes himself mm-hmm. in, in Proverbs. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes we don't have the luxury of actually... Particularly if it's a family member. That's uh, removing ourselves from the situation on a permanent basis. Sometimes. You, you, there's that old saying comes to mind, David, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So here are a few things uh, that we need to keep in mind that, that could help us and could help them. Uh, number one, we, we need to be self-aware. Remember, they, are, they don't gain insight from, from our feedback. You know, if we actually tell them, hey, listen, this is what you're doing, most likely, they're not going to take on board what you're saying. Because so you're really just going to escalate. Because they, they, they are in denial. Mm. You know, so, so, so we need to be self-aware. We need to understand what's going on. We need to actually uh, adapt. We need to be p- people who actually are able to adapt because they lack adaptation. Uh, you know, so we need to do the adapting, which means... Uh, if the situation and we live with somebody like that and actually as a matter of fact I'm actually uh, weekly now counseling a person who lives in that situation mm. and, and, and we, we, we look at the strategies of how that person can minimize uh, the, 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 those um, things that trigger off that person to behave in a certain way mm. how that person can maximize the time of, of you know uh, things that they actually enjoy and love doing so some self-care is very important it's going to take a certain level of humility i would imagine that's right yeah. it, it certainly does <laughs> and then um, when they blame us i think it's very very important because they are into blaming mm. that we can't take it personally um, um what works with others does not work with them, you know. So, so really, you know, uh, we cannot take their blames personally. And and then empathy, uh, you know, you know how Christ prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I really believe that's where the empathy is. The person has a problem. We need to actually, you know, show some empathy and say, okay, you know, uh, uh, while this person is, is is in the stage of fight or flight, mm. uh, even otherwise, you cannot always reason with this person, hardly ever. And so, being aware of these people, it's, uh, of these kind of situations, is very important. And that's that's I, that's that's very challenging, right there. And and I see, you know, the whole Sermon on the Mount, the attitude that Jesus has, you know, towards people that hurt us, you know, do do good to the people that hurt us, and this kind of thing, and and showing empathy there. It's got to be one of the most challenging things. It is. We, we you, really need to connect, be be connected with the Lord, yeah, to be able to actually deal with this and not be and not be destroyed in the process. I'm really interested, actually, David, where you, your first point you made there, be self-aware, they don't gain insight from your feedback. We, we almost need to leave people the opportunity to be given the freedom to be idiots here. Well, you know, that's probably, you know, I suppose it's a strong word, but in, in reality, they, they do not. Mm. They, they're lacking self So if we, if, we, if we feel that we need to change them, right. uh, and so we say our piece, 
If you, feel, if you feel that we need to change them, I think we are barking at the wrong tree. Mm. Only God can really change uh, uh, people like that, you know. Um, and so it appears that these people have like different lenses. Uh, different yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Looks like they're looking through the looking at the world through through different lenses That's than what right. we are. So they're not even seeing what we're seeing in the world. That's right. You know, and and they they actually have this. Uh, all or nothing, which is actually cognitive distortion, really, uh, black uh, and white thinking. Uh, they have intense unmanaged emotions and extreme behaviors, uh, sometimes violent. Uh, they, strangely enough, they identify themselves as victims, uh, and and they are into uh, defensiveness uh, uh, and lack of impulse control. Defensiveness means. They'll never accept that they've done something wrong. They'll justify it from a thousand perspectives, but they'll never say, "Yeah, I'm, forgive me. I, I, I really, uh, I really have a problem." Mm, okay. Can you give us some advice on the best ways to communicate with uh, high conflict people? How do we actually talk to them? Okay. Well, that, that's that's a good question. Um, bes- besides what I have all the mentions, which is awareness, adaptation, and remembering that we can't take it personally we would do well to remember an acronym an acronym that is easy to remember it's ear e a r and this stands for empathy e stands for empathy recognizing and validating their feelings and say you know you need to say yeah okay i can see that this really is upsetting for you so we, we actually Try to walk in their shoes, uh, recognizing without necessarily agreeing. You know, mm-hmm, empathy mm-hmm. is not always agreeing. Uh, recognizing and validate, validating their feelings. But that's E, empathy. A stands for attention. We actually need to pay attention, you know, to what they're saying. Uh, because most likely these people suffer from a very, very conce- uh, low self-worth, from very low self-worth. So, so attention and trying to basically pay attention to what they're saying, even though if you don't agree, uh, actually gives them a bit of a sense of importance. And then respect. And communicating R stands for respect. Communicating that we respect them and their desire to deal with issues. Uh, so, so without being hypocritical, but that, that, uh, that uh, acronym EAR, E standing for empathy, A standing for attention, and R um, uh, stands for respect, is well known with people who actually work with difficult people, mm, you know, mm. so it's 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 important to to um, to to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, we have ultimately, Lyle, we have the ultimate example of someone who effectively dealt with con- with high conflict people uh, in in a loving manner, but a firm manner. That's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was surrounded by high conflict people, wasn't he? That's right. He even had them amongst his own disciples. That's right, and and that's why he said. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And, uh, and and in Romans we see in chapter twelve, verse eighteen, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And God is the one who can give us the power to do that, Lyle, as it says um, in Second Peter one three, as His divine power has given to us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, God gives the power, mm. but we need wisdom from Him as well how to deal with these people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if we see them as victims, it'll be easy for us to have compassion on them and, you know, pray the prayer of Jesus in our hearts. Father, forgive them for, you know, for they know not what they do. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's just a, a remarkable um, example that we have right there. David, thank you for joining us this morning. We always appreciate so much uh, what you bring to the show and what you're able to share with us here on thank Faith you. FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. From Pompeii, Jerusalem, the Dead Sea and Egypt, amazing discoveries is coming to Bulleru. Take a trip through history to uncover what happened in the past, how it affects the present and what it can tell us about the future. Through archaeology and the Bible, join us on this journey of amazing discoveries. Beginning 6.30pm, September 28 at the Bulleroo Adventist Church, this free community series is one you will not want to miss. See Faith FM's Facebook for more information or call Grego on 0435 077 752.